0: morning lighthouse community church how are you doing well i hope uh, in light of memorial day on monday and in light of a video like that i think it's important that i take just a brief moment and pause if any of you know anybody who's actually served or paid such a high price for our freedom i think this morning it's worthy of our time to just take a moment and just make consideration for every sunday that we get a chance to gather every sunday that we have a chance to be in a free country uh freedom has never been free And we already know that, right? So let me just take a brief moment and pause, and then I want to pray on this as well. Father God, on behalf of all those who have paid such a high price, on behalf of those families this morning that will wake up and Think of Monday in a completely different way, and for all of us who take for granted every single step of freedom that we've ever taken, Father, we thank you for those that have paid such a great price. I can't help but think of Jesus, and I can't help but think of his willingness to lay down his life as such an ex- fine example of the scripture, no greater love is this, than someone lay down their life. Father... Be with our country, be with all those who serve, be with all those that are in hostile places this morning. Thank you for those frontline responders for our police and fire, for those people that are willing to stand in the gap. Be with those families. Thank you for the opportunity to see things in a new light. And may this morning, and just by a brief pause, and maybe even later today as we take communion, Father, I pray that you would help remind us. Although there's a lot of things going on and there's a lot of different distractions, It still wouldn't be what it is. Greatest place in the world to live, Father. Land of the free, home of the brave, without being one nation under God. Thank you for the opportunity this morning to make consideration for that. We ask it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Dang it, I'm already emotional in the beginning. That's not good. Maybe if I tripped over this cord right here, we would have a little humor um, early. I haven't been up in a while. Uh, As you guys know, Pastor Eric's been on a, month terror of preaching so thank you pastor Eric, for giving me such a reprieve back there um, and i think you guys all know probably a lot of that has to do with just life um, jen and i are in the midst of dialysis and a lot of different other things and so on behalf of all of you who ask every week um, yeah it's happening tuesdays and fridays and i'm actually pretty excited because the port thing that i've been having a lot of problems with i've actually been starting my arm dialysis which is uh exciting for me because i want to get back in the water i want to fish I want a bodyboard, I want to take a bath. I mean, you guys take a bath for granted. You can't, with a port, you can't take a bath. So, I mean, just showering and my life in general has become very tedious. And uh, it just given me a whole new perspective. And I think that's important for me to explain that to you guys because along with the allowing of me to work with the police department on Thursdays, uh, allowing me to go to dialysis twice a week has given me a whole new ministry And I can tell you guys that there's very few church people in my dialysis center, a lot of people in pain. And in regards to last week's message, which was so pertinent for me, loneliness and isolation and depression, if you haven't seen that firsthand, come to a dialysis center, walk through the door and just take a look. A lot of the people in there are suffering far worse than just kidney disease. I have exclusive just kidney disease. I don't have any other disease. And so... As we go through the process of getting a kidney transplant and some of the other things, I'm far more hopeful, but there's people in there that have a myriad and a multitude of issues. And so as they sit next to me armless, legless and strewn about, um, I've begun the process of memorizing all my nurses' name and all my doctor's name and all my caregivers' name and it's starting to change. My left side corner of the dialysis is starting to change and there's definitely a sense of hope and encouragement and laughter. And that's not easy to do when people are shoving IV needles in your arm over and over again. So just be in prayer for me as I'm in prayer for you. I guarantee you, 13, 14 years I've been on this road, I would not be in the state I'm in. Everyone who comes in, he goes, you look so good. It's like, I would not look so good or be so without the continuous prayer of the church. There's no doubt in my mind that the prayer of a righteous person availeth much. And I know that you're praying, and it's a blessing that we're a praying church but I just think you guys should know that, that it's also ministry. Like God is not wasting this time. I'm not, my pain is not being wasted. I'm sitting in a room with a bunch of people that need ministry and need encouragement. And God is definitely going to use that. So thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to let me do that. I, I guess one other thing I'd say about that, if you're worried about how long it's going to take, it's going to take a long time. So if you're like every week, I'm not going to give you updates. It's going to take a long time. We're in the process, but it's going to take a while. So just be praying. And when I have new, new and improved information, I will give it to you. All right. So enough of my health concerns and all that stuff. We uh, started last week on this isolation and depression. Pastor Eric, timely message on that. And today I'm really excited to share with you a message that actually happened about six months ago in the fibbers. So if if Ken's here or a couple of the fibbers guys are here god gave me this message about the power of two or more and it literally came out of a wedding service that i've done and so i uh, got another couple that i'm getting ready to marry mark and michelle are getting ready to get married and this is a really powerful passage that god has used in my life to help encourage people when it comes to marriage it's ecclesiastes 4 8 through 12 and it's the power of two or more and i and then when Eric's talk about i'm going to do this message on loneliness and isolation you want to follow it with something i was like oh my gosh this would be so fabulous because one of the things we learned about last week is we could, be, we could be close, we could have proximity with people if we want to help them out, we could have physical touch, right, if we want to help them out. And then the final thing he said last week was just being available, right? It's not necessarily solving everybody's problems or giving them so much advice to solve their problems, it's just being available to high five, to hug, to just cry, whatever their need is. And it really started to kind of massage this idea about the power of a friend, the power of an advocate, Right? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, man, that's this message has just been sitting there kind of simmering this whole time. So uh, it's been percolating in my brain, and I'm really excited to kind of share it with you. So if you've if you kind of been seeing how a lot of people in life have been, from COVID in particular, uh, afraid of the gathering, right? They've, they've gone to the point where church, um, going out to eat... Uh, life groups, any of the things that can maybe bingo or even bowling, anything that kind of invites crowds or whatever, all of a sudden that's gone from something that was status quo and something we used to always do to being something we're a little ugh about. And the interesting component about being ugh about it is there's actually a scripture that speaks very, very specifically to being ugh about gathering. So let me read to you because whenever scripture says something, it's far more powerful than Pastor Jeff saying something. So let me read this amazing scripture, Hebrews 10:25. This is a verbatim what it says, never stop giving up meeting together, never, okay? As some are in the habit of doing it, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So this is not something new. Too often in life, we like to throw our hands up and like, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. The sky has been falling since Jesus left the earth, right? And the sky will continue to fall until Jesus actually comes back and then it will be official, But in the meantime, this idea of us not gathering, this idea of us not being a group or us not being a cohort or us not being a life group or us not having an advocate or a friend is something that's lethal to our society, right? Because God made people to be a blessing. God made people to be an encouragement. I mean, going all the way back to the garden, the only time God ever said something wasn't good is when Adam was alone, right? Adam being alone, God said, you know what, that's not good. That's not how I intended you to be. And so just the actual, you know, building of Eve from the rib cage, God saying it's not good for you to be alone. But think about it now. Now when we walk down the street and we see a person, I'm going to fall over this cord. And we walk down the street now and we now see someone, depending on your mindset, we either see them as a potential, you know, friend, human being or whatever, or now we potentially see them as a threat. We don't even know anything about them. We've never spoken a word to them. But then all of a sudden, depending on how our mindset is, it's like, stay out of my bubble, right? I have this imaginary six-foot bubble. And I'm so grateful that we don't have masks and everything more because it, me, I'm, I'm a pastor. Like I like to look around in the crowd when I'm preaching, and I like to look at certain people and see if I see. And without the mask, you lose so much content about what someone's face is actually saying. And I'm thinking, that's because people now are seen as a threat. We now actually see other human beings, before we say a word to them, before we know it, as a threat. It's possibly a threat to our life. That's definitely not what God intended when it came to seeing other people and how they're supposed to work out. God intended our children, his children, to see one another as a potential. I mean, there's people in this church that I just met five years ago, and now five years later, think about how much closer we are, right? If we saw each other five years ago, we would have never maybe realized that God had something greater in store for us. And I'm really grateful for that, that God can take relationships and allow them to blossom into something that's so much deeper. But if the mindset is now, is if I go to a group, if I go to church, even if I order, go to a restaurant, like I've had people say, I've been ordering food in. I mean, that whole ordering food in, ordering groceries in, it's like a whole new world now, right? But what is it really helping facilitate? Greater isolation and greater depression, right? Because now you can sit at home, watch things that you shouldn't be watching, eat things that you shouldn't be eating, and do whatever you want to as much as your credit card will handle. And what is the end results of it? Well, we're going to find out later that Solomon has a word for it. It's called vanity. And the idea that someone self-indulges in one thing over and over again is vanity. And you remember last week, too, final thing about Pastor Eric's message that's really important is the single life has already been proven statistically. The single life statistically is not the best life to live. Statistically, mental health, physical health, spiritual things, I mean, look at you just look at the list, it's it's really clear it's not how God intended, and physically, with no religious connotation, if you look at the stats, it's going to tell you a single life is not the way to live. And for the married couples, I can't wait to do my marriage counseling, I can tell you this, married couples definitely have a lot of advantages, there's going to be more on that in a second. So those of you who know something about Solomon, Solomon is considered to be one of the most wisest men in the world. And He wrote down Ecclesiastes. He wrote down some different things. There are some things that I think you're going to enjoy There's about four different things we're going to see from a very simple passage Not too profound. I'm not that profound of a preacher So don't expect that much from me but Ecclesiastes 4 8 through 12 And basically the essence of the passage is two are better than one and three cannot easily be broken Now when Solomon wrote this book, it's important to realize something. He was a king And he wasn't just a king. He was a really, really wealthy king. It's said that Solomon was so wealthy that he had economies of every known jewel, gold, silver, rubies, whatever it was, caves full of them. So very, very affluent. Uh, When it came to wives, 750 wives and 1,000 concubines. So Solomon was having everything that a king could possibly want. And he discovered that in the vanity amongst vanity for himself, if he lived a life that was exclusively king indulgent, even though he continued to gain, even though he continued to add, there was this sense of emptiness that continually overwhelmed him. And so it's that man who had access to everything, who had the ability to have everything and do everything, whatever he wanted, he's the one who ultimately sits down and pens this about this passage that we're going to read that, you know what, even if you have everything and you do everything, if you do it by yourself... It's absolute vanity. Matter of fact, he says it's vanity upon vanity. It's the twofold. Now, he understood that having two people involved means twice as many opportunities for discussion, twice as many opportunities to to work through things. But the second person involved also meant this. There's now someone to share life with. I wrote this down in my notes. I used to always say, get all your cans, keep all your cans, and then store all your cans, right? But Solomon said, what do you do when you have no one to give your cans to, right? A life where you just... Work all day long to make toil for food. Let's say you're toiling for food. You're you're a gardener. And at the end of the week, you eat all all of the things that you toiled for. Well, you got to wake up the next week and start all over again. So he's going to say, you're going to be in the same pattern of doing the same things over again. Whether it's food, whether it's money, whether it's aspirations. If it's just for yourself, it will absolutely end the same way. Complete and utter emptiness. The only shred of reward that ever came in life. The only shred of reward that ever meant anything is when he shared it with someone else. So let me read the passage, and then we'll tear it apart. It's uh, four simple lines and four simple things, starting in verse 8. There was a man all alone, and he had neither son nor brother, and there was no end to his toil, and yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. He said, for whom am I toiling, and what am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? For this too is meaningless, a miserable business. Verse 9 two are better than one, for they have a good return on their labor. Verse 10, if either of of them falls, the other can help them up, but I pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, for a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So starting with verse 8, that kind of gives us content. He's the king, and he's talking about toiling all day long and he finally just realizes in his toil why am I depriving myself of enjoyment there's nothing enjoy I mean sometimes we got to work and a lot of people work and they say they don't enjoy the work I actually feel blessed to say that I enjoy my work but I think what he's saying here is if you just work for the context of working for yourself and your only goal is to provide for yourself in and of that it's going to be absolute empty and emptiness is not something that a king wants to experience. A king has all the resources, all the money, all the you know, access to resources, and yet he's saying, I feel no enjoyment, zero quality of life. Why would I do this? What is the point of what I'm doing? And I don't know about you, you've ever had that kind of come to Jesus moment in your life where you ask yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? And Solomon finally says, you know what? The real things that matter to me and the things that are ultimately matter are relationships. It's when I have an opportunity to share If I take great risk, then I have the opportunity for great reward. But if I have no risk in my life, I have no reward. And unfortunately, some of us kind of look at our relationships like that now. We're kind of like, we're not taking any risk by investing into other relationships. And so with no risk, we're having no reward. There's nothing coming from those. But the reality of a good relationship, the the reality of a great advocate is that there's both physical reward and spiritual reward. All right, physical reward. Think about this. I'm someone who loves to fish. Fishing is definitely a passion of mine. But when I go fishing by myself, every time I go fishing by myself, something happens. I realize something, if I don't have my phone, which I take pictures of what I'm doing and post it on Instagram, a lot of times when I'm out there, I ask myself, what am I doing? Like, why am I fishing? No one knows if I'm fishing or I'm not fishing, so what is the point? And I run through this whole kind of mind battle of doing it. And then the worst thing is sometimes I actually catch stuff And then I'm by myself and it's difficult to land and difficult because I might have more than one rod out and then I'm not watching. And there's been times where both rods have hit and I've actually lost a rod into the ocean and that's stress. So all of a sudden I've I've realized by fishing by myself, I've created more stress than I have enjoyment. Does this make sense to you? You're all fishermen, right? You understand this? But what happens if you accidentally go out there? Like one time I went down to Corona Del Mar and I was fishing on the boardwalk, which Corona Del Mar has a zillion people walking back and forth and I saw this giant halibut swim by, I mean, not, not a small halibut, I'm talking giant, like a 25 pound halibut, like a 40, like a lifetime one, like a 42, 45 inch halibut. And I, and I was, it was swimming towards my bait and I was literally having like a nervous breakdown out there on the boardwalk. And I'm sure people wanted to call 911 and thought someone mentally was losing it, but, the thought of catching that thing, you know, Corona Del Mar, the boardwalk's here, and when the tide's down, there's like a seven or eight foot drop, and I was thinking to myself, I can't, I wouldn't be able to get, and I literally worked myself into a frosty frenzy and completely out of control and realized there was, there was no one around. I looked on the boardwalk, there was no one around, just me. And I sat down on the chair and I said, you know, fishing by yourself, Jeff, is probably not the smartest thing that you're doing right now. Because I've actually stressed, I stressed myself out more than I did anything else. And I packed up all my stuff and I realized that. I, I would rather fish with one person and catch nothing than I would fish by myself and catch a, a bunch of fish and post. I really would. I know Instagram seems exciting and whatever. There's no excitement posting pictures of that by yourself. That's just a simple little thing, right? That's just a simple little benefit to, to kind of figuring it out. What about if I, if I talked about spiritually speaking, what happens if I told you tomorrow I'm going to send each one of you on a mission trip by yourself to a different country? All of a sudden you're like, "Well, no, you would never do that." Like, you, there's certain times in life where we realize being by ourselves would not only make no sense at all, but it would be basically punishment, right? Can you imagine going to another country by yourself and have no resources, have no connections, have no one, and have no one to discuss what you're going through? I mean, you'd probably just get back on the plane and come back home right because at some point it's it's vanity amongst vanity it's just not how we were designed to do it but i can tell you this one time we sent 20 kids to new orleans back in the day uh, after katrina we spent twenty four thousand dollars as a church to send 20 kids for two weeks to new orleans and we went back there a very affluent church in la quinta to help the poor people of district nine I could tell you something, even as we sit here today, this is 20 something years, maybe 15, 18 years ago, Dallas, how long ago it was, a long time, Dallas was one of them that went. To this date, we've all forgotten all the different costs, all the t- chores and everything that we've done, but the experience that those 20 kids got together, and the experience of being a cohort and, la- and laboring for someone else, we learned something in that trip. Now, not only two are better than one, but 20 are better than zero, and 20 kids that knew nothing about God and knew nothing about serving, who went back there to help them, learned that you can't out-help God. Like, they all learned that we actually probably got help more, to be honest with you. I think they actually helped us more. The New Orleans poor kids of District 9 probably taught us more about life than we could have ever taught them. All we did was play kickball, chalk drawings on the sidewalk, and little baby necklaces spiritually speaking guys we're really only as good as we are too that's why that's what makes a marriage so amazing i mean can you imagine there's people in here if you haven't if you don't know any there's some people who have some amazing marriages we just lost merv recently merv and jean had an amazing marriage some of you have amazing marriages and a good marriage is something that teaches everybody and i'm so grateful to do counseling i'm doing counseling again right now i'm so grateful because there's nothing better than telling a a potentially married couple the benefits of being two or more They're spectacular, I'm gonna give them to you in a minute. One final thing, ministry. Can you imagine doing ministry? Forget going on a a mission trip for two weeks. Can you imagine doing ministry by yourself? Some of these pastors out here and some of these small churches are by themselves. You really need to hold those kind of people up. Ministry by yourself is lethal. Ministry by yourself is just too much of a load. To carry 20 people's burdens, to carry 40 people's burdens, 50 people's burdens, 100 people's burdens, it's just too much by yourself. We are designed to be with other people. Verse nine, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Now, most of us are not agrarian and haven't really done anything for a good return. So I looked up something that makes total sense to me, horsepower, horsepower. A good return in horsepower is simply this. You guys remember the uh, Budweiser Clydesdales, those big giant draft horses? One of the most amazing pulling horses on the planet earth. They weigh about 2,000 pounds, and one 2,000-pound horse can pull 8,000 pounds. That's pretty amazing, right? So if we put two of those horses together, they should be able to pull 16,000 pounds. With no training, with no nothing, just a simple wooden yoke, put those two horses together side by side and ask them to pull, those two horses will pull 22,000 pounds, which is 27% increase for no apparent reason other than they're what? Working together. Shared load. Now, here's the most incredible part about that. Those two horses, the longer they share the load, will gain percentage by percentage by percentage by percentage by percentage every day and week that they continue to carry load together. To the point where, at one point, we have uh, two different documented ones. We have 32,000 pounds, which would be a 50% increase, and we have one undocumented story of two Clydesdales pulling 41,000 pounds. All I'm saying, guys, is the physical benefits of you laboring with somebody else, the physical benefits of you doing life with someone else is horsepower. It's exponential because it's designed by God. So when you and your wife put your shoulders together and are yoked together in a situation, you not only have the opportunity for a better life, but this is what the statistics say: You will live longer. Couples live longer. Couples have better finances, couples are far more productive. They have less stress. Their overall experiences in life are greater. They encourage and receive far greater happiness. They have much better joy and their overall satisfaction and rating in life is superior. Now that's a lot when it comes to sharing the load and having a benefit, right? You hadn't thought about that. What about this? Remember, the single person doesn't have any of those benefits, so that should be considered. What about if we talk about spiritually speaking, and it's just one second to take this. Now, me and you want to pray for somebody, and somebody's going through something really difficult. If I take that burden on by myself, you know, a lot of times, I don't know about you, like when someone asks me, can I help? You know, someone, Pastor Jeff, can I help you? And I'm like, no, I got it. Let's take a moment and talk about what we're actually saying when you say, I got it. So we already learned that two people carrying the load is far more proficient. So when I try to carry that load by myself, I'm already working not wise. When another brother or sister comes up to me and says, hey, Pastor Jeff, I see, I see you're kind of going through something today. Can I pray with you? And I'm like, go, oh, Gary, I, I appreciate that, but I don't want to bother you. I got it, right? Like some of us have grown up in kind of mindset. If I got it, then at least it's done right, right? I don't have to redo it. That's stinking thinking. thinking. Okay, That's no good. That's not true. That's not how God designed us. Not only is it a benefit to me to have Gary or John join in with me in prayer, but it's a benefit to them, right? Think about that. I'm, I'm disallowing their blessing. They're trying to bless me with their time and their energy and whatever, and I'm saying no, so I'm already in, inefficient in kind of what I'm doing. But then when they do jump in, not only are both more efficient, but I'm also, they're blessing me and God's blessing them because they're making, they make, uh, made themselves available for someone else. They saw there was a need. That was number three from last week, right? They're interruptible. And they're like, hey, let me jump in with you. I have a real hardcore sense of pride about not letting people jump in with me. I'm, I'm far more prone to try to do something by myself. This last week, I, uh, whenever I get a chance to preach, it's always very interesting how many new things come my way. And so I had to just stop and say, Jeff, you can't do all that. And so finding someone to allocate something to and finding someone to give something and then them realizing how appreciative they are to jump in with you, right? That's the other thing you're gonna miss out if you're talking about two more is you're gonna be blessed by your relationships. Your relationships will flourish if you start to see other people as of value. And verse 10 talks about if they fall down, one of them can help each other up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help them up. Now, this is long before the uh, life alert You know, I've fallen and I can't get up. (laughs) But let's just say your life alert batteries died and you've fallen. Recently in my life, my neighbor uh, does not have a life alert and he has a very difficult life and a lot of people in my neighborhood don't like him and I can understand why. Unfortunately, in one of his stupors, he fell and broke his arm and was in his room for three days with his broken arm and other things. The police department happened to show up. Someone in the neighborhood noticed that he had not been out in a while. And Dallas and I were driving down the driveway and I knew the officer. And I said, what you guys doing? And he said, we're doing a welfare check. Somebody wants to see if this guy's okay. And I said, he can't be okay. You guys need to kick the door down because if he's in there, it's bad because he always comes out and I haven't seen him in days. That officer took that and continued to walk that house even though no one answered the door for a while. The back window was open about two inches. And as that officer sat in the back trying to pull windows open and try to figure it out, he heard a very slight moaning, help. If that officer wouldn't have been there, that's at least the second time in our life of being neighbors with this guy in five years where we've seen this guy, he would have passed. And they did a fabulous job at not only getting him out, but helping him out. Because when one falls, you need someone else to help you out. I can't help watching these kind of TV shows where like alone, you guys watch that alone thing. Like, just the thought of being alone, like some of the times where people are all by themselves, hiking and doing whatever, it's like, why would you, I mean, why would you risk something for enjoyment that when you do actually fall, if something bad actually happens, there's no way anyone can come and get you just to sit out there and be alone in that situation. I don't, my brain just goes crazy. I really need to remind myself I need to have somebody with me. And I think about this, too, just in life. uh, There's a story when I took my son, um... Uh, float tubing once again fishing and bishop and there's a little owens river out there you guys never heard of that this was a long time ago when the float tubes were the kind you sat inside of like the new ones now you sit in the tube and it's like a chair so if you lean forward you just fall right out this is the old float tube where you stepped into the tube so you're like in the seat and my son was probably a junior in high school so like 130 pounds wet i mean he was a really skinny kid And we're floating down the thing and the water level was too low. And so it just wasn't that exciting. And I could feel my feet rubbing across the bottom. And I, and I just turned back to him and I said, let's just get step out at the next bend. This is not very fun. Let's go back to shore fishing. And as I went to step out in the bend, the the current kind of caught me and spun me and I had waders on and kind of twisted me around. And next thing you know, I fell over. Well, then I fell over and then the current rolled me around the corner and I went upside down. So I couldn't have been more than like from where i fell down to where he had got out like two or three feet but i, I literally thought i was going to drown i'm in waders i'm holding fishing equipment and i'm upside down and i'm like hitting my heads on the rock and i just reach my hand on and i'm screaming in the water at mach 10 because i this is how it, you're going to go right right in front of your son float tubing <sighs> and this 120 pound kid Reaches down in from the shore, so he's standing about four feet above me. He reaches down in the shore, grabs my hand, lifts me, my flow tube, and my waders and my body. And I am, I'm 6'1, 220, the whole time of my life, about the same way, over 200 pounds minimum, even 15 years ago, and lifts me out in one pole from the water and sets me on the ground and says, You idiot! if one falls down i pity the fool who's not there to get up because not only would i probably have died but can you imagine the guy fishing downstream when i go fishing down tail end up you know dead underneath the water it's like float tubing has turned into trauma it's like we see these things and god speaks so is so simply he's like but what happens on sunday when you had a really cruddy week And You thought you were just going to step out of the current because it was a really bad week And you know what you're like i'm just going to not go to church because I had a really bad week And i'm just going to step out of the current and you get flipped upside down When you don't come to church when you don't go to life group when you don't let your friends help out when they want to help out When you decide to ostracize yourself and isolate yourself When your raft turns over and it will turn over I'm telling you right now some of you might be floating upside down today If you don't have someone else to pick you up, you will drown. Water doesn't care. Like the ocean, ask Eric. Water doesn't care. It doesn't care where you come from or who you know or whatever. Either you're going the right direction in it or the wrong direction And If you're underneath it without oxygen, it will solve your problems. That we would. Life is harsh like that. And it feels like God's saying, look, the message is simple. We need people to be around us. We need people to turn the raft over. So when you come to church and you say, you're not gonna believe what happened, My daughter is living on the streets. My son is living in a home. My dot, 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 dot. And you look at me and you say, you will not believe. My job is not necessarily to solve your problems. My job is to believe. My job is to stand with you in that gap and realize that you've fallen. And my job is just to support you as we both try to get up. And sometimes I've gone through it. I might be able to share something, but a lot of times I haven't been through it. But I can at least, I can pull you up. I can flip, flip your raft back over so you can at least breathe again and say, hey, look, you're here, God's here, let's go see what God's word has to say today to be encouraged by. We need each other. A simple hug, a high five, or just having coffee with someone and spending 20 words, 30 words can be the difference between life, the quality of life that God intended for us, and no life, absolute no enjoyment. Ultimately, the finer, final factor it talks about is warmth. Now, warmth might seem like, okay, two people, that's kind of self-evident, but here's an interesting component about fishing. A lot of times when we're fishing, it gets really cold. And so when it says to lie down together to keep warm, but how can you keep warm? Well, I can tell you this. If you've ever gone fishing on a boat in the Sierras, anywhere like that in life, you've been cold enough to where your fish-covered friend in smelly sweats looks awesome to cuddle with, all right? I've been there. I've been on cattle boats. I've been in the Sierras. I've been in places where it was just beyond cold, and the opportunity to have another person—if not just to be in the tent with—you know—just by breathing in the same tent made it livable. We're not designed to, like be alone like that. It's just isn't this simple? Like how simple is this stuff? This is this is not complex stuff. This is super simple stuff. But think about what that means spiritually. When I come alongside of you. And I just let you process whatever you're going through. It's like we're giving warmth to each other. Like, it's like we're showing love for one another. Right? You're cold and clammy and your life is uh, frustrated and you're like, what exactly is God trying to teach me right now? And I'm like, you know what? I don't know. Well, come in here. I have people every Sunday from the time I've been in ministry come to church. and all the, I've had at least two, three people say at least a year, every, once a year. I, I came today for one reason. I said, what is that? To get a hug from you. for me? Yes, from you. You're a good hugger. Okay, thank you. And that's all you want? I mean, you want nothing else from God? Well, yeah, I want to hear the word, but I want my hug from you. Okay. Pretty simple, right? But the value of just contact with someone, if you're living a life with no contact, if you're living a life with no one around, then someone to have that warmth with, someone to just have that moment with on Sunday can be life-giving, and ask anyone who's ever been in a cold environment, the power of a small fire. The power of a small fire. I don't know if you guys have ever been cold enough to have those like little hand warmers. You guys ever done those things too? And you're popping these little things and you got one in your hand, one and you're shoving them down in your pants, you're shoving them all over in your body. Just these little teeny hand warmers, but it's like life-giving. When your hands are so cold, just a little bit of heat is life-giving. I can't help but think about that in God's word. That's what it's like to me. Like sometimes worship can be like that. Sometimes before the message even begins, a little bit of worship, a little bit of like, holy, holy, holy gets me to want to sit down. Like when we were singing that passage, I knew knew that was going to be there. I never feel like I can stand with that message. It's like communion for me. It's like to stand before the throne room of God and to say, holy, 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 it's just overwhelming for me. It's like warmth. It's life-giving to me. When I'm cold and I'm calloused from the world. I think about how God gives me these kind of things. Finally, he says this, that a cord of three is not easily broken. Now I've been talking fishing the whole time, so I just stayed with it. In fishing, we have a new line called braided line. Braided line is when you take three separate lines and you braid them together. You twist them together. And the reality of that braided line is because it's three lines braided together, if one of the three lines breaks, you still have contact with the two lines with your knot. It's a simple concept, but it's been life-giving to people that like to fish in structure where there's a lot of like weeds or sticks or brushes or things like that because you get nicks and cuts and all kinds of different things in it. And it works fabulous in the ocean when you're fishing in seaweed and kelp and all kinds of other things. I couldn't help but think about the power of what that thinks about spiritually speaking to me. It says that you plus the Holy Spirit and me is like a quarter three, right? For like a married couple, it's you and your wife and the Holy Spirit, right? Wrapped together. That's a really, really powerful thought because the reality is when we do a wedding service, part of what we say is in front of God and family and friends we seal that wedding, right? We pray that God would seal that marriage together. It's like the two of you wound together with the spirit of God, sealed together. For what? So that you can be more abrasion resistant. So that you can be tougher when the things of life come and try to nick your lines. So that you could be tougher when things come and maybe one part of it's cut. But because you're more than just one line, you have the ability to still pull that situation in and deal and process with that situation. I know fishing is not everyone's cup of tea, but I'm sure you can think about many different times where the strength of your spouse has pulled you through a situation. Today, you're strong. Today, they're weak. And you're still wound together with the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God is not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. And the Spirit of God remains strong. So that reminds me there's always too strong when one is weak. Too strong when one is weak. You know, we got communion coming up in a little bit here, and I, I couldn't help but think about this. Have you ever heard somebody say, uh, Bible verse, when two or more are gathered, and so because you're with another person, they always feel like because that other person is there with you, that somehow God is now with you? Let me, let me, dis, let me dispel one final thought for you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then that means the Spirit of God is living within you, Right? So, Matthew, if the Spirit of God is living within you, are you ever, actually, ever alone? So, wouldn't that by default mean that wherever you are, whenever you pray, God is with you? You know, the prayer of a righteous person availeth much, the Bible says. One righteous person stopped the rain, other righteous people brought down walls. A lot of times, when we take away the value of prayers and you say, you know, there's nothing I can do, all I can do is pray. Think about how you're deteething something that actually has all the teeth that you actually have in life. You've just pulled it all out when you say, all I can do is pray. Folks, the only thing you should do is pray. You shouldn't, a lot of times you should not do anything physical. You shouldn't try to do anything else. Be there for your friends. Be there for your spouse. Be there for your co-laborers. And let the Spirit of God be that thing that holds you together Because the reality is is there's a lot of things in life right now that are trying to nick us and cut us and bring us down, separate us, change the way that we see one another so that we don't even see each other as a value or a son or daughter of God. Instead, we see each other as some kind of liability. And that's just not the truth. I'm going to call the worship team back up here, and we're going to get ready for communion. And as the worship team's coming back up here, I just want to encourage you guys today, In light of Memorial Day, in light of all the different things that are happening in life, remind yourself this. As you get the opportunity to take communion today, you're not strong because of something that you said or you've done. Your marriages, your relationships, your job, anything you have, every single thing that you have, every good thing you have is from God. Right? So today, as we get ready to take communion, I want you to just kind of prepare your hearts or prepare your minds for it. Maybe just take a minute, pray. Pray. And thank God for the simplicity of life. Thank God for those advocates that have been in your life, for that neighbor, for that friend, for that pastor, for that spiritual mentor, people that have been there to pick you up when your raft has flipped over. And if you're trying to run through life right now solo and you're trying to just, if you're at home, if you're watching this message at home and you're thinking, this is the safest place I can be. God didn't send Jesus to die on a cross for safety. We're not here for safety, church. We're here to risk it all, and the only time we can risk it all is why we're alive. So with great risk comes great reward, and the risk that we're taking is that someone's going to die and go to hell without Jesus Christ. May we be the kind of friend, may we be the kind of advocate that comes alongside somebody when we see them going down the Santa Ana River trapped in the mud and the debris and instead of just saying, wow, that goes a person and they're, I'm going to pray for them. No, find another person, grab some rope, call the fire department and you run alongside that river screaming and help until you get everything you can. You do everything you can to save that soul. Why? Because that's what Jesus would do, Right? I love you guys, and if you're going through isolation and depression and you want to talk after communion, after the service today, Pastor Eric and I are glad to be with you, but let me just take a moment to pray, and then uh, we'll have the band pray, and then you guys can come up and do some communion, and commune with the Lord today. Thank him for always being there. Thank him for being that glue that holds us together. Father God, I thank you this morning for the opportunity just to hear the simplicity of your word, the reality of two or more just seems like something we've heard so many times that maybe we've taken it for granted I'm myself included father I mean in the state of the church in the state of life right now there's some amazing people in our lives that I'm really really grateful for I'm really grateful for the example that Merv and Jean gave me so that I could have someone to aspire to be like in my own marriage, I want to be married fifty years. I want to be married sixty years to the love of my life. I want to wake up every morning and regardless of my wife 's condition, have this smile and this fervor for life that he had. Father, I just pray that you would be with the church, be with the relationships. Some of these relationships have already been cultivated, and some of them just need a little bit more water, a little bit more time to grow. Father, would you grow them and develop them? Would you care for our small groups? Would you care for our life groups and Just remind people that we can't stop coming together. We can't. It's biblical. We cannot do it. If we do, Father, we sentence ourselves to isolation, to depression, to anxiety, to stress, and none of these things were intended for your children. And finally, Lord, for those who are suffering from stress, from anxiety, those who are mentally being challenged this morning, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would send your advocate, your spirit, to comfort them this morning. Father, I pray for those people that are working out there in the mental health fields. College hospital and all these other places, Father, that are trying to stand in the gap for people that have lost all hope. I don't understand how all the medicine works. I don't understand how a lot of things work, Father. But I pray for those that are really earnestly trying to turn the rafts over from some people that have lost hope and are just drifting out to sea. Father, may everything that continues to happen in this church, may everything that we continue to say and do and be, be a blessing because your son Jesus has been such a blessing to us. We do it all and say it all in his precious name. Amen.
1: Jesus, your name Is power Jesus your name is mine Jesus your name will break every stronghold Jesus your name is life that again Jesus your name his uh-huh. Does your day is light.
0: He gathered around his life group, and he said, I know this is going to be difficult for you, so I'm going to give you something that you can continue to do long after I'm gone. And church, every time we do this, every time we do this in his name, that's what we're reminding ourselves. It's not by our strength that we're going to get up tomorrow and be something special. It's not by your strength that you even made it to church today. It's not even by your strength that you just ask your lungs to open up and take a breath everything that we do everything that's been done everything that will be done has been done because he gave everything to us when we take this bread and we eat it we remind ourselves until he returns that jesus is the bread of life take this in remembrance of me after the meal was finished he said it's it's finished to tell us it's been paid in full and what has it been paid and full? my blood given to you not taken nobody took jesus's life he gave it we see the cross is empty but we see this as a reminder that the old testament required that a blood offering was given to pay for sins and so jesus said I gladly give this for you, my friends, that you might have the opportunity to gather and tell other people that I will go. If I've gone and made a place for you, I will come again. That where I am, you too may be also. When you drink this, remind yourself, it's not by your strength or your power, but by the blood of Christ that we have been forgiven. Do this in his name. Father God, once again, we just thank you for this church. We thank you for this small little slice of the neighborhood church, Father, that uh, simple reminder. People come from all different walks of life. People have lots of different things pulling on them, Father. But one thing we all have in common is the need for Jesus, the need to be filled up, the need to be forgiven. Thank you for communion. Thank you for what it reminds us of. That every time we get a chance to do that, we're reminded we're not by ourselves. A Christian can never be alone. That is a lie that this morning can be displaced. A Christian has the spirit of God with them wherever they go. May we rely more upon that. May we lean more into that. And may we have just a greater appreciation today for those in life that you've given us to do life with. If there's anyone in this building this morning, Father, that doesn't know who Jesus is, that doesn't know that he died for them, that doesn't know that he's the way, the truth, and the life, then I, stay, I ask that they would stay after. Come find one of the pastors. Come find one of the elders and come pray a simple prayer. Come ask Jesus to move into their hearts and forgive them and receive the greatest gift that the world has ever been given, the love and the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name I pray, amen.
1: I surrender. Pastor Eric would say, church, go be the church. God bless you all. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Amen. Oh, In the eye of the storm made in control. surrounds me in the eye of the storm. One more time. In the The eye eye of the storm. storm. Storm your love, cause your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm.